It wasn't easy, but the Seahawks finally snapped their losing streak with a 27-23 victory over the Rams at SoFi Stadium. I'm going to be breaking down everything that went down in Seattle's Week 13 victory on our weekly postcast of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for, as always, making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For the first time in almost a month, we get to break down a Seahawks victory, though it wasn't near as easy as many thought it would be against an injury-ravaged Ram squad that was quite game for this Week 13 matchup. And actually, we're in the lead with less than three minutes to go, but Geno Smith decided to turn in the most clutch performance that he's had as a quarterback for the Seahawks, and he picked a perfect game to do it, getting a hard-fought victory over the Rams. Going to be breaking down that matchup, plus my weekly game balls, and three up, three down in a jam-packed postcast. This is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Now for your lead story here on our weekly postcast on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It wasn't a cakewalk like some people thought it would be, but the Seahawks found a way to pull out a hard-fought 27-23 victory over the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, snapping a two-game losing streak and getting themselves back into the playoff discussion at 7-5, and five, they're currently the number seven seed in the NFC, the final wild card, and they stay within striking distance of the 49ers, who unfortunately won their game even after losing Jimmy Garoppolo to what looks to be a season-ending foot injury. They had their third stringer, Brock Purdy, come in and played pretty darn well in his regular season debut, and they held off the Miami Dolphins for the win. Nonetheless, Seahawks are still only a game behind him, and they've got the rematch at Lumen Field looming in a couple of weeks and the big reason why the Seahawks are in that position it's all about coming in in the clutch and Geno Smith getting the job done and this has been one of the big sticking points for the few critics that are still out there in regards to Geno Smith he can't win at the end of games he can't get a game-winning drive for the Seahawks inside two minutes and statistically it had not happened in his previous 14 starts even last year the three starts that he had in place of an injured Russell Wilson, he had two games where he had opportunities to win the contest against the Saints and the Steelers and couldn't get the job done this year. Hasn't had near as many opportunities. A lot of the games the Seahawks have won, they had double-digit victories. And so Geno Smith wasn't even in a position late in the game where he needed to orchestrate a drive to win the game. But against the Falcons, the Saints, last week against the Raiders, didn't get it done in final closing drives in the fourth quarter and overtime. And so that's really been a sticking point for all the critics out there. But that is no longer the case, at least for a week. Geno Smith with a masterful two-minute drill for the Seahawks after the Rams had gone down and scored a touchdown and they turned a 20-16 game to 23-20 to with less than three minutes to go. It looked like a huge upset with the Rams being without Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Aaron Donald. 
It looked like Sean McVay's team was going to be able to pull it off, though. They have continued to play hard for their coach, even with all the injuries that they've had. And the Seahawks found a way to get it done. Geno Smith going six for nine on their final possession, driving the Seahawks down the field, a bunch of clutch throws. He had a 10-yard third down completion on third and 10 to Tyler Lockett. Lockett's so good at finding ways to move the chains in the situation, such a clutch receiver in his own right. But it was a great throw by Geno Smith, a 17-yard completion to Marquise Goodwin. And then really the final play of that drive, the eight-yard touchdown to DK Metcalf, that was one of the more impressive passes that you're going to see, even though it was only an eight-yard pass. Metcalf created just a little bit of separation on Jalen Ramsey, who he's had quite a bit of success against. And those two have quite a rivalry going on in the NFC West. It's a lot of fun seeing the extracurriculars between those two after plays, too. They jaw at each other, and it's two of the best at their respective positions. DK Metcalf got the better of Jalen Ramsey on that one. But Geno Smith had to thread the needle because there were multiple defenders congested in the red zone, and he really had to fire a dart in there to get the football to Metcalf, and he hung tough at the catch point reeled it in while Ramsey hit him, catches the pass, and the Seahawks end up winning 27-23. They get the interception from Cody Barton on the ensuing possession to put the nail in the coffin, and the Rams fall to 3-9 and nine in the season. It was a valiant effort by Sean McVay's team, and they did everything they needed to do to win this football game. They created a few timely turnovers. They ran the football well. John Wolford made some decisive third down plays with his arm and legs, and it was a lower scoring affair, which that was really the only way the Rams are going to win this game with all the players they're missing on offense. The Seahawks had some missed opportunities in the red zone earlier in the game, but Geno Smith was able to rectify that. If they went one for three in their first three red zone trips with just one touchdown, was able to go down and throw that touchdown to DK Metcalf. So really, this was the pinnacle of Geno Smith's season, in my opinion, in terms of coming up with a crucial drive. That is the one thing that was missing from his resume. And again, it was the one screaming point for critics who were against Geno Smith signing an extension or maybe, eh, let's stop with the MVP talk because he hasn't been able to win games at the end of regulation or in overtime. You can no longer say that. And I made an arguments about this earlier this year. He's been very good at the fourth quarter, even though the Seahawks had not scored any points inside the final two minutes. The Seahawks had a lot of fourth quarters where they were able to pull away and they didn't need one of those last second touchdown drives. But nonetheless, he still had not had a game winning drive like this inside two minutes in 13 previous starts for him to go out and get the job done today the way he did. Even against a Rams team missing Aaron Donald, they still had Jalen Ramsey. Bobby Wagner had a phenomenal revenge game against his former team. There's still plenty of talent on that defense. And for Geno Smith to do what he did there, accurately picking apart the Rams, making clutch throws, showing off his arms, uh, arm talents, making some difficult throws, getting the football into tight windows, that really was the difference in this one for the Seahawks with the Rams giving a much tougher fight than I think many anticipating. You look at the numbers for the season for Geno Smith. He has 10 starts this year with two or more touchdown passes, three of them today. He threw for a career-high 367 passing yards. And this was his eighth start completing at least 71% of his passes. I don't know at this point with the Seahawks being seven and five, not one of the better records in the league. They're still in the playoffs though. I don't know if Geno Smith is clearly in the MVP race at this point. I think if the Seahawks would have found a way to win one of their last two games and they had eight victories that he very much would be in that discussion probably isn't at this point. 
but he's right on the peripheral still with 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. The sixth one today was was pretty fluky, but it was a spectacular play by Bobby Wagner. I still don't know if that was even an interception, but to see Smith go out week in, week out, this week all of his running backs going down behind him, he was handing the ball off to Tony Jones Jr. for most of the second half. To see him continue to put this offense on his shoulders and throw for over 300 yards, complete over 70% of his passes, and come up with that clutch touchdown drive. They got a field goal to drive before. So they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter when they absolutely needed them. And the big reason they could do that was Geno Smith. And oh, by the way, he was doing it while dealing with that flu bug that's been going in the Seahawks locker room for the last couple of weeks. Seems like everybody on the team at this point has gotten it. Seemed pretty stuffy on the podium after the game. So he was playing under the weather a little bit today and still put together a really impressive performance that was capped off by his first game-winning drive as Seahawks quarterback. So huge development for Seattle, and now they're two games above 500 again. They've got the Panthers coming to town next weekend, and then a the week after that, Thursday night football, that crucial game against the San Francisco 49ers who – are either going to have Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson, who they just signed. They're going to have one of those two playing quarterback in that game. And so a little bit different stakes there, but nonetheless, the 49ers still a game ahead. They've got the tiebreaker currently, but you got two big games coming up for the Seahawks to try to really stick with the 49ers and maybe surpass them in the NFC West. This was a big win, one they absolutely had to have against an inferior opponent. They would have lost this one. It would have been really tough to make the postseason. But now there's more optimism in Seattle once again. Coming up next, I'm going to dish out my weekly game balls on offense, defense, and special teams. Several worthy candidates in all three phases of the game after the Seahawks pick up the big win in Los Angeles. We'll get to that here in a moment. Today's postcast is brought to you by Total Wine & More. This holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from, it's easy to find a new favorite single-barrel bourbon or the perfect gifts for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide and all with a confidence knowing you found something special for the lowest price. Find what you love, love what you find, only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery is available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits are not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly and, of course, be 21. This podcast is also brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone, and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Sunday postcast edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Special thanks to all the 12s out there who make Locked on Seahawks your listen five days a week. And a special welcome to our new listeners as well. The Seahawks getting a big win in the NFC West. Yes, the Rams were undermanned, missing several of their star players on both sides of the football. But still, winning on the road in L.A. has not been easy for Pete Carroll and company. 
So getting the 27-23 victory, even if it was much tougher than many anticipated, still a big deal. Gets the Seahawks back in the winner's circle and only a game behind San Francisco with a rematch looming in a few weeks on Thursday night football at Lumen Field. Let's get to the game balls. On offense, it'd be really easy to talk more about the player that I put the focus on in the first segment. Geno Smith with 367 passing yards, a career high, three touchdown passes, one interception that really wasn't his fault was a pretty fluky play, but overall another spectacular effort from Geno Smith. But let's talk about the players that were catching passes from him. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had not had a game this year where they both surpassed 100 receiving yards. That was until today. So as far as game balls go, I could easily give it to both of them. It would make sense. But I felt one receiver had just a slightly better day than the other one. And so without further ado, my game ball goes to DK Metcalf. Eight receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Lockett actually had more receptions in this game, but Metcalf averaged more than 15 yards per catch. And we saw a little bit of everything in his arsenal today. He had a 40-yard catch on a go route down the sideline. He had a 25-yard reception. He had a couple really tough 10 to 12 yard catches that moved the chains and he did a lot of his damage with Jalen Ramsey across from him. you can't downplay that even though Ramsey has not been quite as elite this year as we've seen in previous seasons he is still one of the best shutdown corners in the NFL and he always seems to bring it when he's going against DK Metcalf same can be said for number 14 and really had an impressive outing really came up with big catches at key moments that touchdown at the very end that is not an easy catch to make with Jalen Ramsey draped all over you you're in heavy congested traffic. Those have been catches that despite his size that DK Metcalf has not consistently been able to show the uh, catching strength to be able to catch those footballs. It, really difficult to bring him in in traffic. He's had some issues with that, not on that particular play. And he was targeted eight times today, eight receptions, a perfect day for number 14. Really the only blemish he did have a penalty that was called on him for extracurriculars. After a failed third down, the Seahawks still got a Jason Myers field goal, though, so it didn't really matter in the scheme of things. You like the fire he plays with, even if sometimes he gets in a little bit of trouble for it. Really played the best game of the season for him today with eight catches, 127 yards and a touchdown. So kudos to DK Metcalf. Always seems to bring his A game against Jalen Ramsey, and they needed every one of those catches today to escape SoFi Stadium with the victory. On defense, there's a couple of players that stood out to me. Could have picked Tariq Woolen with his sixth interception. They got some good plays from Cody Barton in this football game as well. I thought Daryl Taylor was very up and down today, but the big plays that he made were crucial ones. That being said, this is going to be the fifth time that Uchenna Nuosu has gotten this award here on our postcast it's really remarkable seeing what he's been able to accomplish in this first season in Seattle. He's had kind of a slow past few weeks. Didn't have any sacks, only one quarterback hit in their losses to the Buccaneers and the Raiders. Today, though, he went off. Four tackles, a pair of sacks, a tackle for loss as well. And the sacks came at critical moments. They both happened when the Rams were driving deep into Seahawks territory. The first one being late in the first half. The Seahawks are nursing a 14-10 lead, and John Wolfer has driven the Rams inside the 20-yard line, and it's second down. Nuosu winds up getting upfield and forces a strip sack. The Rams recovered it, but now it's third and 16. They don't convert the following play, and so therefore take a field goal. Seattle goes into halftime up one instead of potentially being down three. 
going into the second half. So that was a big play. And in the fourth quarter, Nwosu had his second sack, and that one also forced the Rams to eventually settle for a field goal when they had drove deep into Seahawks territory. So both of Nwosu's sacks came at critical moments, and it may have ended up saving them eight points on the scoreboard, which in this game, that is really the difference between winning and losing. So really strong effort from number 10 today. You're seeing him hold up fairly well against the run. Two of those Seahawks had their share of issues today defending the run. Nuosu made a couple of really nice plays as a run defender as well. He has been one of their best players, if not their best player on defense this season. It was nice to see him bounce back after two pretty quiet games and come through with a pair of sacks. He now only needs one more to get to double digits in his first season with the Seahawks. And on special teams, I want to give a shout-out to a couple players before I give the actual award because you can't really give players, special teams player of the game, for just making one tackle unless that tackle results in a turnover, like a forced fumble, or it ends up being one that happens deep in the opposing territory. But I thought Derek Young and Joey Blunt both made two really nice open field tackles. You really could say this game ball collectively should go to the coverage teams. I thought kick and punt coverage today was pristine. Getting downfield, limiting yards after hauling in the punt or the kickoff, really nowhere for the players to go. And I thought that Joey Blunt and Derek Young made two really nice plays. With that being said, at this point, Jason Myers, his entire sidewall is going to have game balls because – there's nobody else that's having the difference, making the impact that he is on special teams week in, week out. And he just becomes so automatic. You look at the numbers today for Jason Myers, two for two on field goals, three for three on extra points as well. He has missed one field goal this entire season, and I believe he's only missed one extra point. And in a game like this that was much closer than expected, that is the margin for error. You know, if he misses one of those field goals, the Seahawks end up only winning this game by one point. The Rams only have to go down and kick a field goal, which they may have been able to do on that last drive. They had to go down and score a touchdown. That totally changes the strategy on both sides of the ball, and it's near impossible to wing the football downfield. Seahawks made them pay for that. So every one of those points was precious in this game. And to see Jason Myers come out, and just, he's reached that point just like he was two years ago. When he comes to the field, you don't expect there's any chance he's going to miss the kick. You expect there's going to be three points or one point, if it's an extra point, that it's going to be on the board because he has been so automatic this year. And I think he is strongly in the running to be an all-pro kicker this year. He's been that good. Maybe isn't getting as much attention as he deserves, but what a bounce back from last season. And again, he's going to be getting game ball week in, week out, but you can't overlook just how dominant he has been this season, how effective, how reliable he's been. And that's been a big part of the reason the Seahawks are two games above 500 when you have a kicker that is that reliable, that on the money, that can be the di difference between winning two or three games in a season. And Jason Myers has had that kind of an impact for this football team. So three players there I referenced, but Jason Myers gets the game ball. A couple of those rookies keep making plays on coverage units, and maybe just maybe you'll end up on the game balls in future weeks here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Up next, continuing our analysis of Seattle's win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday is three up, three down. Which players 
boosted their stocks, and which players will want to have a little better performance next week when the Seahawks play the Panthers. I'll be dishing out three studs and three duds from today's game coming up next here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. It's week 13 of the 2022 season, and I've got Tom Brady finally getting over his demons, throwing two touchdown passes against the Saints on Monday Night Football. That might not seem like a bold lead, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test pick two to five players if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available and prize picks off projections on any sport you watch whether it's the major leagues nhl pga college football even mma entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states as well as canada Download the Prize Picks app today or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Sunday postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five, even six days a week. If you're a regular listener, you listen to our postcast. And a special welcome to all of our new listeners as well. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. It's time for some three up, three down action. Our studs and duds from week 13. Obviously, this was not a game that went perfectly for the Seahawks because they were playing against a team that was battered by injuries. The Rams were missing a lot of starters on both sides of the football. This seemed like a game that should have been a fairly easy victory for them. And yet the Rams, they came ready to fight on offense and defense. And they had a chance to steal the upset at home in this game, the Seahawks turned them away late with Geno Smith's efforts. Let's get to three up. And, and this was a little bit tougher because there were a lot of players that did really good things today. And, and I'm going to throw in a player or two here that maybe some listeners weren't thinking about in terms of looking at stats that really had a key role in winning this football game. Let's start on the offensive side of the football here. I already talked about DK Metcalf. We got to give Tyler Lockett some love though. Leading the team with nine receptions today, over 120 receiving yards, nearly 15 yards per reception, a 35-yard touchdown catch on a bomb from Geno Smith as well. So he really had maybe his best all-around game this season. Wasn't perfect. There were a few missed targets in there, unlike DK Metcalf, but still a really impressive game for Tyler Lockett. And I think also we got to give him a shout out for making some history today. That touchdown catch made it five consecutive games that Lockett has had at least one touchdown reception that tied a franchise record. So next week against Carolina, if he can get a touchdown, that record will be all his own. So Again, a lot of credit to Tyler Lockett, who I think continues to be one of the most underrated superstar receivers in the league. And he's even in DK Metcalf's shadow figuratively and literally a lot of the time, even though he goes out week in, week out, and is extremely productive. Gets the clutch third down receptions like he did on that final game-winning drive for the Seahawks. The big plays downfield, creating after the catch has never been a strength, but lately he's been picking up quite a bit of yardage after the catch as well. Geno Smith's doing a good job getting the football to him in positions where he can turn upfield. 
and get some yards after the catch. So really another fantastic season being put together by Tyler Lockett, worth every penny they're paying for him. He even returned a couple of punts, was back there to return a couple punts. Don't think he actually returned any of them, but he can still do that in a pinch if needed. So one of the most valuable receivers in the NFL and one of Seattle's stars, one of their unsung heroes that has put them in this position where they were surprising seven and five. Now let's give some love in the backfield. DJ Dallas in this game, you look at the stats, 10 runs for 37 yards, no touchdowns. So some of my listeners may be wondering, is DJ Dallas on this list? Well, if you watch the game, pretty much every running back on Seattle's roster got hurt in this game. Ken Walker, the third left in the second quarter with an ankle injury. Who knows how long he's going to be out. He did not return in the second half. DJ Dallas injured his ankle on the final play of the first half and limped off the field. They were listing him as doubtful to return in the second half. Tony Jones Jr. gets banged up, gets smacked on a reception. I'm surprised that he was able to return later. I thought for sure he got his bell rung there, but Jones did return later in the game. Nonetheless, DJ Dallas gutted this game out when he was listed as doubtful, came back in, and most of his 10 carries came in the second half, playing it well under 100%, and yet he was still running hard, made a couple of really nice runs to move the chains as well on Seattle's scoring drives. So I thought it was a really gutsy effort by him. And by the way, his best play today did not come in the backfield as a runner. It was on Tyler Lockett's touchdown. That play does not happen without the fantastic blitz pickup that DJ Dallas had in the backfield that he ended up hitting Leonard Floyd and preventing him from getting to Geno Smith. That gave Geno Smith the time he needed to be able to loft that ball downfield to Tyler Lockett and get that touchdown. It does not happen without DJ Dallas. So something you're not going to notice in the box score, but if you watch the game closely, you know how pivotal he was to that touchdown to Tyler Lockett and winning this football game shorthand in the backfield without Travis Homer, without Ken Walker the third, Jones getting banged up for a little bit, Dallas gutting things out. He deserves a ton of credit for showing off his toughness and his grit and playing really good football as a runner and a pass protector. And on the defensive side of the football, I mentioned him earlier, could have made him the defensive player of the game with a few of the plays that he made. But let's give a shout out to Tariq Woolen. Tyler Lockett wasn't the only Seahawk that made history today. Woolen with his six interception surpassed Earl Thomas he now has more interceptions than any rookie defender in Seahawks history with six of them so congratulations to Tariq Woolen that was a pretty easy interception when he watched on the game on the film I believe that John Wolford believed he was going to be able to trick Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen the two rookies on the outside with a running back wheel route but they were both sitting home and that was a gimme interception for Woolen it was up there with Leonard Fournette's interception in the game in Munich just telegraphed it and lofted it arm punted it to Tariq Woolen an easy play for him so now six interceptions the season and later in the game it looked like he was going to get burned by Tutu Atwell and Wolford underthrew the football a little bit, but the recovery speed and the length, it basically is a cheat code for Tariq Woolen. When you can run a 4-2-6 and you have 33 and a half inch arms, he made up a ton of ground at the last second and swatted that pass away for a big pass breakup as well. So Woolen continues to make big play after big play in the secondary. He is still very much in the running for all pro consideration, defensive rookie of the year consideration. What a gem of a find for the Seahawks in the fifth round that Tariq Woolen continues to be. They love having Reek the Freak in their secondary. Now let's go to three down, the duds for the week. And 
this was a little bit tougher because in victory, it's harder to, you know, it's, or I guess you could say it's easier to overlook down performances, but this was a game that was tougher than people expected in part because the Seahawks didn't necessarily play a great game. To be honest, they started off rough, particularly on defense. That opening drive was brutal watching this injury ravaged Rams offense drive the football right down their throat. A 10 play, 77 yard touchdown drive to make it 7 0. Nobody saw that coming on the first drive of the game. And so that leads me into our three down here. I want to actually start on the defensive side of the football for this. I'll get to the offense in a moment, but. Bruce Irvin has been a really nice pickup for the Seahawks coming back for a third stint with the team. He's given them energy and life off the edge. He's rushed the passer. He has been good against the run up until this game. And I think you're seeing Irvin's aggressiveness now being used against him. Sean McVay, give him a ton of credit, one of the best play callers in football really took advantage of Irvin, who was crashing hard inside. And there were a couple times that they ran jet motion and he was not able to set the edge. And Brandon Powell was able to get some big runs. Powell had 45 rushing yards on three carries in this game. And they also got a big run from Atwell on jet motion as well. And they were able to run off tackle towards Bruce Irvin a few times. There also was a fourth down run by Wolford where Irvin just completely bypassed the edge and went after the running back and Wolford ended up picking 14 yards up on fourth and two to move the chains. So those are the kind of mistakes you don't expect from a veteran pass rusher. Maybe he was in the right there and somebody else was supposed to be over there, but from what the film looked like, it looked like he was supposed to be setting the edge and he ended up just completely letting the quarterback go. So it was not a great game for Bruce Irvin. And part of the reason that the Seahawks are struggling with their run defense week in, week out has been those run fit issues and, and getting out of their gaps. It looked like Bruce Irvin had some issues with that being too aggressive and, and maybe trying to cheat a little bit on some plays and the Rams made him pay for it. And then in the secondary I mentioned the great game by Tariq Woolen. I thought the left cornerback struggled a little bit in this football game. This was the second game in a row where Mike Jackson gave up a couple of big chunk plays in coverage. Looked like the Rams were isolating him. Really didn't want to take many shots at Tariq Woolen's side. Nobody has been wanting to do that. And you saw later in the game why teams have been staying away from him. But Jackson ended up getting benched for a few series and Trey Brown came in only in his second game back from a knee injury. And Brown also struggled a little bit in his limited action, got penalized for a defensive pass interference penalty, hit the receiver too early, clear as day, did not have any pass breakups or anything in the secondary. So they're still trying to get his feet wet coming back from the injury. Not necessarily a terrible game for either one of those corners, but that is an area now that is very much in focus because is Mike Jackson going to be able to hold on to the job? Is Trey Brown going to seize it from him before the end of the season? Right now, didn't necessarily look like either guy was able to take advantage of today and really step up and show, hey, I should be the, I should be the starter from here on out at left cornerback. Neither player with a great football game. And part of the reason they struggled early, they were giving up some of those chunk plays. Mike Jackson often in coverage on a few of those. Also had a play that could have been a touchdown to Atwell. Couldn't get both feet down in bounds. Jackson was trailing in coverage on that play. So the numbers could have been potentially worse for him than what they were. And then on offense, I hate to keep picking on the rookie tackles because Abraham Lucas, I thought, played a little bit better today aside from a false start penalty that he had. 
But Charles Cross got toasted a few times in pass protection. One of them in particular, Geno Smith, had absolutely no chance to do anything. He did not have a, he didn't have time to step up in the pocket. He didn't have time to roll out to his right. The pass rusher was on his back immediately because he just toasted Charles Cross with a speed rush. Cross has looked like maybe that rookie wall is starting to impact him a little bit these last couple of games. And what they got to hope, and this happens sometimes with rookies, is you hit that wall, you're stalled for a little bit, and then you find your second win. They have to hope that he does because he had six pressures that he allowed last week in their loss to the Raiders. Not a great game today. We'll see how many pressures there were when I go back and watch the All-22. But he definitely gave up several quick rushes, generated one sack at least against him. He is going to have to find a way to get through this little bit of a rut that he's playing through right now and get back to playing the solid football that he has played for most of his rookie season. They need him to be able to step up, and it can be tough on rookies when you get into the last six, seven games of the year because it's a longer schedule than what they are used to, especially somebody like Cross that was an early entrant to the NFL draft as well. Not as many college games under his belt. There's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system when you get to game 13, 14, 15, they have to hope that he can get over that wall here and finish this season strong. Not necessarily his best effort today going against a Rams pass rush that quite frankly was missing several key pieces. Nonetheless, he still had his issues and struggles in this football game in pass protection. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check Lock the Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be rejoined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. The two of us will dish out our Monday musings, in-depth takeaways after reviewing the film, what we saw on offense, defense, and special teams in today's win over the Rams. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.